Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. In 1924, Witness Lee was dynamically saved by the Lord as a young man in his native China, and he promptly consecrated the rest of his life to the gospel. He co-labored with Watchman Nee for parts of the next three decades. And in 1962, Witness Lee was led by the Lord to come to the U.S. in California. During his 35 years of service to the Lord in America, he ministered in weekly meetings and weekend conferences, delivering thousands of spoken messages. He gave his last public conference in February 1997 at the age of 91. We're happy today to be able to bring you recorded excerpts from his speaking and encourage you to contact us if you have any further questions or comments. Just send email to radio at lsm.org. Now let's join today's show. The story of Moses is really the story of God's calling. Moses was surely called by God. The account of this calling is both riveting and captivating. How we admire a man like Moses, so useful to God for his purpose. But what about us? Is God also calling us? And if so, what's the purpose? Stay with us today, and you might be surprised to find out that God is calling us and calling us for the very same purpose he called Moses. We're extremely honored to bring you this message today from the 1979 Life Study of Exodus. And joining us after a short sabbatical is Ron Kangas. Ron, welcome back to the program. It was a sabbatical and it was short, but I'm glad to be back and I'm happy to join you in these messages on Exodus. Well, Ron, I think it's very timely that you were able to make it back for this particular message. I'm also looking forward to it. Maybe you could give us just a little glimpse of our destination. The beginning is the tyranny in Egypt under Pharaoh. That's where the children of Israel were. And the ending or the destination is the good land, which signifies the all-inclusive Christ for our experience and enjoyment, that out from this enjoyment there may be the corporate expression of the triune God in Christ with God's chosen people, and that corporate expression is typified by the temple. Uh, In between, there is the sojourn in the wilderness understood in the positive sense in separation from the world to receive the divine revelation on the mountaintop concerning God's covenant and concerning especially the building of God's dwelling place. So we're going from Egypt to the good land via the wilderness to receive the divine revelation. Well, Ron, going from Egypt to the good land via the wilderness and also via the sharing of Witness Lee. Let's join him for the first portion of our broadcast today. We have to spend some time to see the purpose of God's calling. What was the calling there with Moses? It should be our calling today. We shouldn't forget that Moses was just a time of us today. You shouldn't consider Moses too high and yourself too low. This is absolutely wrong. The purpose of God's calling, firstly, to deliver God's chosen people out of the usurpation 
and tyranny of Pharaoh and Egypt. Pharaoh was a full type of Satan, and Egypt was a full type of the world. When we say usurpation and tyranny of Pharaoh and Egypt, we mean the usurping hand and the tyranny of today's Satan and of today's satanic world. The children of Israel were chosen by God. Today, everyone who is saved is one chosen by God. We all have been predestinated. So today, what God is doing is just to deliver his chosen people out of the usurping hand of Satan and out of the tyranny of today's world. To this world with its ruler, Satan, in the eyes of God, it is not any kind of enjoyment. Do you believe today's people are really enjoying something? Even the long driving to your work, every morning, 55 minutes driving, that is tyranny. Or in the office, the competition for promotion. Just for a couple thousand dollars, you sell yourself there. You are not free to bring people out of this kind of a satanic tyranny. It's not so easy. And what Moses did, he didn't preach. He didn't teach. He rescued all the children of Israel out of the hand of Pharaoh. Do we have the impact, the authority to pull people, God chosen people, out of the usurping hand of Satan or not? God's call is to use us to pull people out of the usurping hand of Satan. Ron, we're considering the calling of Moses again, calling Moses to be God's sent one. The first aspect of the calling of Moses was to bring God's people out of the usurpation and tyranny of Pharaoh. But in the presentation of this point, we heard that our own calling is in the same vein as that of Moses. Why is it not too much to equate our calling with that of such a great man of God as Moses? Let me suggest there are two main reasons for this. First, Moses is our representative. This doesn't mean that we can match Moses or Paul in terms of spiritual capacity or function. But in nature, we're the same. Paul was the foremost of sinners who was saved, and he became a pattern for all those who would believe in the Lord Jesus. Sometimes we so idolize, sorry to say, these outstanding figures that we feel their situation is altogether unrelated to ours. This is a natural human thought, but it's not the divine concept. The divine concept is that Moses and also Paul are representatives in their experience of what God's people should be in their experience. The second point is very obvious, but possibly because it's obvious, it can be missed. God's people were under the usurpation and tyranny of Pharaoh in Egypt, 
And God's goal, not just for Moses, but for all the people of God, was to bring them into the good land. So on the one hand, Moses is our representative. What he experienced, we in nature should also experience. On the other hand, the children of Israel are a picture of us, and what they experienced is what we should experience. And the goal of their calling and the goal of their deliverance was the good land, the land flowing with milk and honey. So when we consider these things, we realize that the calling of Moses is, in essence, our calling. What he experienced, we should experience. We need to realize, frankly, how much we have been robbed by the religious concept and by God's enemy utilizing the religious concept. We have been robbed of the full experience and enjoyment of the purpose of God's calling. A particular burden in this message and in our commentary on it is that the Spirit of God would enlighten us to see that the purpose of God's calling is not different for Moses and Paul than it is for us. So this message is not merely a history lesson about what happened to Moses and to the people of Israel. This is God speaking through his word, through his called people today, that we would know the purpose of God's calling. Well, Ron, the Lord really is speaking to us today in this message. I'm anxious to get back to another section. Here's Witness Lee. The purpose of God's calling to bring God to the people to the wilderness. Here, wilderness is used in a good sense. What is wilderness? That is just opposite to the world. When a sinner is saved, he has to be brought out of today's Egypt and into his wilderness, where there's no Egyptian element. Out of 100 Christians, maybe three have ever been brought in the wilderness. You may be saved. You have never been saved from the world. And you have never been delivered into the wilderness. God used Moses to bring his chosen people out of Egypt and into the wilderness. If we are the calling when we minister the word, or when we praise, or when we teach, we must pray, Lord, grant me the impact. I don't like just to pass on some knowledge into their mentality. I like to have the impact that something will go out in my speaking to touch people's heart and to bring them out of today's world and to bring them into their weirdness. Ron, as Moses was delivering the people from the usurpation that we've been talking about today, he brought them into the wilderness. To be in the wilderness is no doubt to be out of Egypt. What do these two items typify in the life of a believer? Egypt typifies the world as a system of Satan. Egypt signifies the world in some definite aspects. And all of these aspects are related to Satan's usurpation and tyranny. There is the aspect of work or livelihood. How many are enslaved by this? There is the aspect of worldly security. 
and then worldly enjoyment. So you put these three needs together, the need for provision, the need for protection or security, and the need for enjoyment. These are human needs. There's nothing to be ashamed of in having these needs. But Satan, the evil, pernicious one, has formed the world system and has preyed upon these human needs. And he has set up the world system in order to place us under his tyranny and to usurp us and to keep us from God. The wilderness, in this particular context, has a positive significance in that it signifies a place of separation from the world, a place where we receive the heavenly provision, that is the manna, a type of Christ as the bread of life, where we receive the living water as our supply, where we are brought under the illumination of the heavenly revelation concerning God's economy. It's significant that Moses told Pharaoh that the people were to make a three days journey into the wilderness. Three days signifies resurrection. So we need to leave the world, the satanic system, where we were usurped by Satan and under his tyranny, and be separated through death and resurrection, symbolized by passing through the Red Sea, a type of baptism, we need to then be brought into the wilderness, a separated place where our diet is changed, where our constitution is changed, and where we can focus on God, God's heart's desire, God's interests, God's economy, and God's purpose. It is a realm of separation in resurrection. I would emphasize these two words, separation from the world and from Satan, and separation unto God. The wilderness is a transitional place, but it's crucial because it's here that we learn to feed upon the manna, to drink the living water. It's here that we receive the divine revelation. It's here that we build up the tabernacle as the temporary and movable dwelling place of God. But it's also here that we realize our goal is not the wilderness. Our goal is the good land, that is, the all-inclusive Christ as everything to us for our experience and enjoyment. The actual fact is that the vast majority of God's people are not in the good land experientially and are not even in the wilderness experientially. Rather, they are still in Egypt. They're saved and redeemed through the Passover lamb. Their sins have been forgiven. They have the life of God. But if God's people remain under the usurpation and tyranny of Satan through the world system, then practically speaking, they cannot do anything for the fulfillment and accomplishment of God's purpose, and God's calling in a practical way is nullified. So we do need to receive a word from the Lord and the life and grace from the Lord to be delivered out of Egypt, to pass through the wilderness, learning there what we need to learn and experiencing what we need to experience, and then entering into the good land, the land flowing with milk and honey, the land which typifies the all-inclusive Christ. This is the goal of God's calling. We are called out of the world system into the all-inclusive Christ to experience him and enjoy him for the building up of the body of Christ. This is the purpose of God's calling, and we pray that many 
of God's people would be enlightened and would respond by praying and ask the Lord to bring them into the experience and enjoyment of the purpose of his calling. Ron, we really shouldn't disparage or denigrate this experience of the wilderness. It does imply that there is some healthy separation from the world, doesn't it? The wilderness in the context in which we're considering it is a necessary and positive experience. It is a realm of separation in resurrection. I would emphasize these two words, separation from the world and from Satan, and separation unto God and to his revelation and to his life supply, to his presence. This is marvelous. The children of Israel were separated unto God and entered into the wilderness by crossing the Red Sea, which symbolizes baptism, and baptism, we know, has a burying aspect, typifying burial, and has a rising aspect coming out of the water, typifying resurrection. We need a proper separation, not a religious separation, but a separation through baptism to bring us into a realm where we feed upon Christ as the heavenly food and drink Christ as a life-giving spirit, as the heavenly life supply, a realm in which we receive God's revelation through his word and then begin to understand why were we created, why were we redeemed, why we were saved, why were we regenerated, and why we have been called by God. This is a very precious place to be. And God's people need to be in the wilderness today. We pray that many would be called out of Egypt into the wilderness, not to wander, but to be separated in resurrection, to be supplied and enlightened. Then, with this as the basis, God's chosen and called ones can go on into Christ as the good land. Ron, very briefly, you mentioned that it is not the destination, but in the wilderness, there was a mountain also that Moses led God's people to. What does this mountain represent in our experience? In the Bible, mountains signify the resurrected and ascended Christ. They also signify a transcendent realm. It's significant that in the New Testament, uh, particularly in Matthew, the Lord released certain truths or revelations while on the mountain. Matthew 5 through 7, the constitution of the kingdom of the heavens was decreed upon a mountain. Uh, The Lord was transfigured upon a mountain. The Lord spoke in Matthew 24 while on a mountain with some disciples concerning the end of this age. In Matthew 28, the commission to disciple the nations was given on a mountain. So a mountain in our experience signifies being in an uplifted spiritual state in Christ to receive the divine revelation through the divine word. Ron, let's go back to Witness Lee for our final portion today. The purpose of God's calling to bring God to the people to the mountain today. Many Christians, they never got in the wilderness. They are saved because they believed in the Lord Jesus, because they uh, were washed by the blood. But they still are remaining where? In Egypt. Not in the wilderness. Some, not many, got out of Egypt. 
but not to the mountain. All the revelation, all the vision concerning God's purpose, concerning the tabernacle, concerning God's law, every beat of the divine revelation is given her on the mountain. Wilderness is a separation from Egypt. Mountain is an elevation in the wilderness. And here on the mountain, you cannot deny the sky is clear. And the revelation comes. You have the divine economy unveiled to you. Then you know what is God's mind, what is God's heart, what is God's desire. Then you can build a tabernacle for him to dwell among you. The purpose of God's call is that the called man must be able to bring some God-chosen people out of the world and bring them into the wilderness and bring them up to the mountain and on the mountain to see the design of God dwelling place and eventually build a tabernacle. We all can do such a work in these four steps. We can bring people out of the tyranny of today's world and we can bring people into the wilderness and we can bring people up to the mountain to see God's design. We and the others build the tabernacle of God. Would we not be satisfied? This is not the destination yet. This is just one quarter on the way. Then what? The number five. To bring God's chosen people into Canaan, a good land flowing with milk and honey. The children of Israel eventually entered the good land. They defeated the enemies. And they enjoyed the rich produce of the good land. Then, out of that enjoyment, they defeated the enemy and they gained the ground. And God's kingdom was established. And then eventually, God's kingdom was there prevailing, and the temple was built. But today, most of Christians only take care of the beginning of the history of the children of Israel. We are lacking of the practical experience of Christ. The call of God is to ask us to bring people into Christ as the good land. Ron, I guess in a sense this entire program has become the answer to the question that we opened with today about whether or not it's presumptuous for us to consider our own calling on a par with that of Moses. It seems like that the complete answer is in whether or not we're doing the same work as Moses, at least in nature, bringing people out from under Satan Pharaoh's tyranny and usurpation, bringing them out of the world, bringing them to a mountain to get a vision of God's building and to bring them on and to bring them ultimately all the way to the good land, the full enjoyment of Christ. It seems, Ron, that if this is where we hope to be able to bring people, we better be experiencing these things for ourselves, hadn't we? Yes. And the crucial word here is experiencing. We cannot bring others farther than where we ourselves have gone in the Lord. For the dear ones listening to this fellowship, 
we would point out that if you have experienced Christ as the redeeming lamb, then you can help others to be saved by believing into Christ and having their sins forgiven. But if you have not experienced separation in resurrection, you can't be used to help others have that experience. We call this program a life study. Not just a study, but a life study. And the word life in this compound title, life study, indicates that the triune God, through the word, wants to be our life for our experience. So in a proper sense, the life study of the word is an experience study. The truths revealed in the word need to, actually have to, become our experience. We can testify on behalf of brothers such as Brother Nee and Brother Lee that they not only presented the truths, they not only presented a proper interpretation of the Word of God, they also testified from their experiences of the reality revealed in this Word and presented through the proper interpretation of the Word. In a very real sense, this message and our fellowship on this message are a call for all of us to advance in our experience, ultimately to enter into the all-inclusive Christ, experience Him and enjoy Him for the body of Christ. God needs this in the sense that He needs us to enter into these experiences so that he will have his dwelling place and his heart's desire will be satisfied. Brother Ron, in my experience, I think that nothing motivates me to advance like God's Word. Wonderful fellowship. Thank you today, Ron. You're most welcome, Chris. Today for Ron Kangas, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you for listening. This program is brought to you by Living Stream Ministry, publisher of the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. To find out more, we invite you to visit our website, lsm.org. There you'll find more than 600 titles from both authors available online. You can also listen to recordings of Witness Lee's spoken messages and see the full array of material that Living Stream has to offer. Again, that's lsm.org. Thanks for listening today. Where is Jesus Christ today? And does he really care? But being full of the Holy Spirit, Stephen looked intently into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened up and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Acts chapter 7, verses 55 and 56. The Lord in ascension is usually referred to as sitting at the right hand of God. But Stephen saw him standing there. This indicates that the Lord was greatly concerned for his persecuted one. Scripture, Acts 7, 55 and 56, 
and commentary from the New Testament Recovery Version published by Living Stream Ministry. For more information, visit lsm.org.